Hello and welcome to a very, very, very special bonus episode. Uh, is what I'm trying out. I've got Alfie Brown here, a uh, big football fan uh, of Liverpool Football Club. Uh, I'm a big football fan and I'm trying to get into the market of chatting shite about football as it gets clicks, it gets views and it's fun for all the family. So we're just going to crack into it by discussing just general thoughts on the season ahead and you know if it does work, if it is pleasurable for you to listen to, maybe you can grow into more. This is very much just seeing if there is a future for either of us in the world of inane football chat. Welcome to the show, Alfie Brown. Thank you so much. I'm uh, absolutely delighted to be a part of this experiment. Mm-hmm. This um, and, and no, no, uh, no more feral uh, do boys ever get than in the realm of football. So, yes, so uh, it does still overall work brand-wise. Uh, yes, yes. Although I think in terms of what Boys Gone Wild usually is, which is a kind of a comment piece on the nature of boys when they go wild. Yeah. What we will be doing is being boys going wild in quite a typical way. Yes. Rather than meeting judgment upon those boys that watch football and often go wild. Yes. I, yes. It's not. We're not. We we're could, not commenting. Mm. We're not theorists of boys gone wild. We're merely boys gone wild. Full stop. Mm. Um, we're not. We're not David Goldblatt and one of his good social commentary yes. mixed with football books. Yes, we're not we're not Louis Theroux. We're who Louis Theroux interviews. Yeah, that pastor. <laughs> I'll be the pastor, and you can be one of the prostitutes. <laughs> sex workers. Yeah, sex. Thank you. Sex work is real work. Okay, it's hard work. Sex work. You're working with is real work. I don't care what you pigs think. Sex work is real work. Um, but yes. Uh, this I'm might even be, this that. might even be a, a spin-off series like Joey, you know that thing. So as opposed to being boys gone wild, this might be like a you know football gone wild. Mm. Who knows? Um, but anyway, should we kick it off? Um, football with... gone wild is good. Maybe footboys gone wild. That's no. so much worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much worse. <laughs> um, should we should we kick it off? Because I've never seen match of the day open with three minutes of talk about non-football related stuff. I know, but I've heard podcasts open with like that. So should we keep going? No. <laughs> I'm just saying you don't need to feel yeah, badly sorry. about yeah, what's yeah, happened. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You, um, I also don't think we I'm should ju- be... I'm actually excited to get into it and it's like, you know, saving your pudding till the end because it's like, well, you know, I'm just excited to get into it. I don't want to start it yet. But um, should we kick things off? With, let's start unwrapping our gifts. Let's do it. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself as a football fan? Uh, hello, my name's Alfie and I'm a football fan. I'm a fan of Liverpool Football Club owing to my uh, family's rich history uh, around the north uh, of England. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, uh, Leeds, um, I also come from, but don't support. I just support Liverpool. And what's interesting is that you do actually have, you're not a glory supporter, you are doing it because of family, but you're, uh, you clash a lot with well, my, um, my, the, my, the, the, the normal fan. My age uh, means that I, I mean, even, even had I no family connection to Liverpool, I still don't think I could be accurately described as a glory supporter. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it was, I suppose I came to sort of football consciousness around the uh, same time that Michael Owen broke into the first team. Um, Michael Owen, who has only seen six films. 
He doesn't like them. He really doesn't like them, which is a, a is a fascinating. Uh, That's aspect. another good idea for a podcast: is Michael Owen's Film Club, <laughs> <laughs> where you find out which six films he's watched <laughs> and decide what you think as a film student which Michael Owen's favorite film would be, and then maybe the next second series can be you coming up with recommendations Re- for Michael Owen. For Michael Owen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or watching all films and doing what I think Michael Owen's opinion would be. So more like a, a simulation of Michael Owen as yeah. a cinephile. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those really funny ideas for a podcast that in practice would be unlistenable. Like a great idea for a podcast, which is great, is that someone watched, uh, two guys watched Grown Ups 2 every week for, uh, for a year. I was trying to remember yeah. what, the podcast, what the film they watch is. They did it every, and then sometimes they'd be like, I don't know, they just didn't, I don't feel they were trying today. This Today they don't feel they were really on form. I don't know what it was. And like the final one was a big live show where everyone How came and How many did they do? I think it was like 52. I think they did it for like a, a, every week for a year. Okay, talk about the football. Sorry. Uh, yes. You're an Arsenal fan, I'm a Liverpool fan. Mm. How, how, what, 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 are the, what, a, what a mixed up pair. Yes, uh, one of the highest scoring fixtures in the league, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Because we're not year. direct rivals, so it's more like the the pressure's slightly off, which can often lead to better games. Were you very happy about your community shield to be champions of the community uh, um, and, 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 the, and charity, all charities? Yes, we actually are incredibly successful in the community shield, having won the last four... I think the last six Community Shield finals we've been in, we've won. Um, and it ne- it doesn't mean anything, but it is it is still, uh, when you're trying to galvanise a winning mentality, I think it does help. Having I think whenever players get together and lift something up, that is good. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It is a pointless game in many ways. It's a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun, but the act of going, I don't, I'm not counting as a trophy, but it is important to where just so you can have players around going, that's a really important... You think that's psychologically I think that's really that they important. know what it is to lift something. Yeah. Like Arsenal didn't win a trophy uh, for 10 years from 2005 to 2014, like nine, 10 years, um, until we won that FA Cup. And then after that, we haven't won many, but we still consistently a good few, a good cups, few, a fair, fair few compared to like Tottenham or anything. And I think it's because we had that and that broke through, and we won every Community Shield there, which I do think might have added to the reason why we won the FA Cups. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, I thought I would have taken more heart as an Arsenal fan from the game in the Charity Shield than I would have done the game where you won, you beat Liverpool at the end of last season. Yeah, it doesn't... That one seemed a bit weird in that we scored a goal, we looked fantastic. Yeah. Then you scored two absolutely bonkers goals because the two best players in the world in their position decided to go temporarily uh, into Blamange. But we never do that as well. What's weird is that Arsenal never do that. Never Arsenal do. never get like outplayed completely and then still win. Yeah, and then the we rest of the often... game, it was like you just... And I do think, and I've heard this said somewhere else, I can't remember where, that the not having any fans in the stadium helped you in that game because it meant that you could just put everybody behind the ball, defend for the next 80-odd minutes or whatever it was. And not have boos. And not have people boo you. Mm. I think that that's a, that's a great point. Um, I think also you can't really judge anything uh, of Liverpool post-title win because as you said, it was like... The games when you got beaten by Man City, as brutal as it was, it was like the first game for like 
like two years that you weren't trying to win something. Yeah, by hell or high water. Yeah, yeah. it's like because like the whole every game of last se- the two seasons ago was like. Yeah, I think I mean. Uh, Klopp said which I thought was quite a kind of fun and apposite way to put it was there's no there's no manual on how to coach your team after you've won the league yeah nobody's written that book yet that's that's a that's a great that's another great idea for a podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think your collapse not collapse your bad form at the end of last season has put you in much better stead for this season Yes, so I do. do I. I think if you carried on the intensity up until the end of that season, I think you would have the crash would have come at the beginning or yeah. at some point. And I think it's it was I think it was a positive thing getting hammered, doing all of that, um, losing to Arsenal, uh, City, and stuff. I think that was good for you. Yeah, no, I really I believe that as well. I think the intensity that the football was being played at, as you said, uh, means that I think you just will take a little bit of a break from even if you didn't ever plan to like you just won't allow yourself to tax yourself in the same way if you know that it's one even if it's just that half percent and um yeah I, I i'm very excited i think one of the signs of the season judging by the second 45 minutes against chelsea the other day um have you asked that question yet i haven't uh because we we cut that out oh, but right. um so, Alfie, what do you think is the best transfer of the season? Uh, there, you can you can do honourable mentions. You can get a group together and then get a group a together fight. and then whittle it down. Yeah. Um, the signing of the summer, in terms of the player that I think will have the most impact this season, um, I think will so far be Timo Werner. I think he'll make such a Tammy Abraham, whilst is nice and is a very long man. He is long. Um, and looks like a really good kid. Timo Werner looks like a, a like a potentially world-level striker, which will just help. And I also can play off the left, so might be able to work with Tammy Abraham. Um, I can't see that anybody who needs defensive... Um, reinforcement has really made it to the extent that they need to apart from maybe Arsenal but Arsenal looked a lot better defensively when they actually had somebody with a brain telling them how to defend uh, so Gabriel you've got I think I, I think it's a great signing and I think um, I still am a bit baffled by um, the fact that we have got a great defender it seems um, but and we've got a potentially great defender in Saliba Though he is very very young, but he's tiny little kid. But he's not, and he's not. He's not going to be. He's not. He's not. Not yet. And maybe it's. But that could be a centre pairing. That could be a centre back partnership for a long time if they come good. Because it's twenty two years old and eighteen. But I still think it's kind of baffling. Even when we bought Pepe for seventy two million, which was wrong in many levels. Why? Why the fuck would we not spend seventy two million on defence or like plugging those holes? Like it seems like. I'm willing to just spend loads of money just to get a good defence at all costs. There's Is Lacazette staying? Uh, it's unclear. And Aubameyang can't carry on forever. No. Uh, so there does seem it, it does seem like it was necessary. And also, even if Lacazette doesn't say, he's still 29, isn't he? Or something yeah. like that. So there needs to be... I think Martinelli and Saka look 
Like, we got all in Ketia. We all of the young people coming through that they're, they're very forward. Even Willock is like a quite a driving midfielder. Like it's all very attacking. I don't think Willock will make it because he's called Willock, and uh, that I don't think that can happen. No, can it? No, Willock. Willock. No, it doesn't sound right. Willock. Willock. Willock could work. I tell I you. I tell you. I tell. Willock sounds like onomatopoeic for hitting the ball hard with your foot. That's exactly why I think. That's exactly what I was going to say. No, Willickle, it's just it's um, anyway. Uh, Saka Bukayo. Um, it looks like such an intelligent and graceful footballer. And grace always seems to be one of these things that footballers develop slightly later. Like they can have a good touch or good ideas, good pace, uh, like be good finishers. But the grace on the ball that he has and the time the patience and the uh, ability to make sensible decisions with the football for his age for his age i mean he just looks gorgeous and He's... martinelli looks vibrant and dangerous so i mean there's very exciting things but <laughs> there seems to me to be like a gap like there'll be a gap before those players are finished and after Aubameyang's done yes there will be a little bit of shit that you're just going to have to go through where you're going to have to display patience for arteta yeah. And that's something that Arsenal fans aren't great at doing, even if he does look like a, yes. somebody made a real-life version of a Zara model. Yeah, but Arsenal like, fans, Arsenal, yeah, it feels like when you see Arteta, it's like his hair, at the end of the day, he goes... It like makes yeah. it, and it stays completely still and he puts it on like yeah. a, a head of his face and then in the morning he sits... Because he is good-looking, but almost too so. Do you know what I mean? He's not like he's... He's like a computer animation yes, of a handsome man. Yes, of man. a handsome man. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an alien trying to work out what a handsome man is. They've come mm. with Arteta. Um, there's a notification saying that you're uh, coming to do a podcast today. Which is oh, hand, really? Is not handy. before time. <laughs> not, just, which is handy to be reminded of. Um, but sorry, the best chance of the season. One thing I'll say about Timo Werner is it, it does look like the right signing. His first two games have been pretty disappointing. But you can't judge a player from that. But from what I've seen, it, it looks like it's going to take a. He's not going to come uh, in flying. It might take a while. Mm. I'm trying to think about who. Because he wasn't good in the Brighton game, and he definitely wasn't good in the Liverpool game. Aston Villa's Ollie Watkins, good shout. They've needed some quality up front, and he absolutely uh, tore it up in the. Uh, Championship last year. I feel you're, you're uh, skirting around the obvious choice because it, you might be accused of bias, but it, I do think the transfer of the season is Thiago. It's the first time in my whole life that we've signed a world-class player at the top of his... As opposed to built one. As a, we, Yeah, the whole, um, I think, actually cited by Jurgen Klopp or somebody at Liverpool, or part of some marketing at some yeah. point, was uh, we don't sign superstars, we make them. Yes, and we and now we've decided to, to all, as well as make them sign one, but, which is yeah. uh, fantastic. Um, I, I watching him play against Chelsea the other day, albeit a ten man Chelsea. Although I thought they were quite, you know, the, it wasn't like we were in trouble before the guy got sent off. It just meant that they couldn't quite park the bus as they wanted to. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I do think Thiago's been fun in the sign of the summer. If you, he costs you seventy million, maybe not, but just for the uh, scandalously low price, uh, the fact that he's proven across two leagues. Um, oh god, yeah, and, and the fact that he gives like if we if we if we if our fullbacks are the creators, and you can sort of 
prepare for that by trying to take them out of the game than by having another way to break through lines and create and uh, through the centre of the field is mm. so exciting. So if, if as I think maybe Bayern Munich are now probably the best team in the world, but certainly uh, just before Bayern Munich's kind of got super drived, you were the best team in the world. Um, it is interesting how... And then we took the one of those players as well. Yes, that so. is interesting. Um, it is, it's interesting how um, bad your midfield um, was for the best team in the world. Not bad, obviously not bad, but uh, it's not iconic. Well, maybe from, like incredible from an defense. outsider's perspective, they didn't seem that iconic. But I think... It, it's functional because it I does a job. It's, like but it's not a sexy midfield. Yes. Um, but also it's like that, that all those um, players... Are, are, are great partly because they work with the tactics and you have three incredible front a front three that's incredibly works incredibly well incredibly balanced uh three of your back four are team of the season i think maybe two years running or and arguably you could easily make an argument that those andy robertson trent alexander arnold and van dyke would be in the world's best team and which is kind of wild and Allison, you could argue which is crazy and then the midfield Henderson Wijnaldum Fabinho um, it, they were very functional but it's not I of, think you could of, make an of greatest teams in the world at any point they'd nearly always have a sexy midfield which yeah. is why Thiago is probably the sign in the summer because um, it's what do you do with a perfect team and you plugged You've added the thing that. Well, yeah. Do. How can you possibly improve that eleven? I think mm. it's probably one of the, the 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 problems that like Liverpool had going into the transfer window. They go, well, how do you? Yeah. How do you make the team if better? If ain't broke, don't fix we it. We literally but... just got ninety-seven points, ninety-nine points, and one of the Champions League in, that, in one of those seasons, yeah. and only didn't win the Champions League because we had to because Allison was injured for that. Sad. But then you do need to you do need to re because no matter how good that team is or how successful that team is, everyone will be going into it thinking, how do we beat this Liverpool team who have done this style so you do need to adapt to uh, keep on winning yeah and it just gives something new a new dimension to the attack a new uh, and a new and it will it will add a new way of playing and a new way of attacking and it will make us really hard if it wasn't already hard to play against Liverpool and make a plan for how to win then it's going to be really really fucking hard if you add uh, Thiago into that and, and everything that he gives uh, to a team in the it's it's not even the it's not the creativity it's, I mean obviously he's a very creative and gifted passer of the ball but it's the speed at which he makes the decision to make the pass he gets the ball and boom it's gone mm. and before anybody in the opposing side has had a chance to set themselves it's already gone so cool he's what I like about Thiago is that he's like a bridge between the old and new midfield which is like when I was certainly growing up on football the dominant uh, midfield was Xavi and Iniesta. That was the the model of what a midfielder was, which is like technique above all else. And mm. it's like unbelievable passing and vision and just kind of play, pass a team to death. And then basically from when Barca uh, got spanked by Bayern Munich and Germany won the World Cup was when uh, the Spanish way of midfield sort of died and the new midfielder sort of came in who's basically embodied by De Bruyne which is the combination of physical and technical. Thiago is like half and half because he 
is has that speed and that quickness mm. uh, and that kind of like De Bruyne does where he just like it violently whips a ball in. It's not like Urzel where it like delicately finds that perfect pass. It's like has loads of urgency and forward but also grew up with Xavi and Iniesta so has a part of that in him as well. Yes, just the very patient recycling. Re- yeah, recycling. Yeah. So I find, that's what I find interesting is he's like, he was like kind of like a, I'd, I, I knew about him at Barcelona. I knew he was good but it's, there's so many midfielders there who kind of got brushed aside because the two ugly greatest midfielders of all time were ahead of them. So Thiago was one of them and he only really came to four when he had chance to show himself outside of them. Did you... Because like Xavi and Esther also covered up Fabregas, you know, like, because yeah. they're just so good. And that's like, Fabregas didn't even make the Spain team a lot of the time because it was just so good, that midfield. And only ever really as a false nine. Do you remember that when he played as a false yeah, nine? Yeah, that, that, was, that was the height of that style of football. That was the, the that was when it was, became a joke. Uh, that was the, the peak of Tiki Tech. That was the peak of it, which is when they stopped even having a striker. Yeah. Um, Have you read Zonal Marking, the Michael Cox book? It's really, really good, and it does that very well. Um, basically charts the movement and fashions of football tactics with the focus being a, a nation's influence. So early 90s, you've got Dutch football, yes. and how Dutch football came to be in its peak, kind of culminating in yeah. Ajax lifting the Champions League. Yeah. Then you've got French football, with them winning the World Cup in Euros. Then you have right, the Portuguese attritional influence with them getting to the final of the thing and yeah, yeah. also Jose Mourinho. Then after that, you've got Spain that lasts through Wait, is, Por- is Portuguese the, like, uh, very tactical, play within your means, yeah. very efficient, yeah, 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 basically Jose Mourinho? Yeah. Yeah. Everything that he embodies. Yeah. Uh, then Which is results over style almost. Yeah. And now just just being there. Now it's just it's just great to have him along for the just ride. Just great to have him on Amazon Prime. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, uh, Spain, Germany, and now England. That takes us up to 2020. Do you think England are the, the, affecting the new style? Um, I think the book needed a final chapter. Yes, well, I mean, I guess, <laughs> I I guess, I I guess Liverpool won the Champions League with, and uh, I guess it's the left and our use of left back and right backs. Even though I did like during the World Cup, the it was funny that the way that we. Uh, became dangerous in a way the teams were scared of us in a way that I haven't seen them scared of England and international tournament during my whole life was just because of our corner tactic which was funny how effective it was where we finally accepted we're not going to outplay a lot of teams uh, technically so we're going to use our skill of uh, growing uh, people with extraordinarily big heads and have them wait at the end of the box and then fire a ball in and just had them all run as fast as possible to try and head it in. And it was funny how effective that was for like four That's or five so days. depressing. Yeah. Just I mean, like Harry Maguire, <laughs> John Stones, Kyle Walker, just these, we're like, we need to play to our strengths. We're on an island with almost like island giganticism. <laughs> also like we're against Colombia, which is like fucking Croatia. They've only been a fucking country for 27 years or whatever. Yeah. And now we're we going, oh, are like the, we're the oldest football team in the world. <laughs> I don't understand, and also it's not like there aren't good players. There are great players. It, I don't understand why, because also that wasn't like an amazing. Oh, we got to a World Cup semi final. I, I, I mean, f- first of all, I'm very unpopular in this area mm. because I want to abolish international football. It's all bad. Um, second of all, 
I mean, I understand the fun of like, oh, so I've been a rival all year and now we can all have fun supporting the same team. I'm not asked about it. Um, uh, but there are such good players, really good footballers, technically gifted footballers. And there are loads of them that are English. And we just, why not? Why not be good? Like, you only managed to beat Colombia on penalties. Uh, what was the score? What scores were there in the group stages? Uh, England? We beat Tunisia just. I think. Yeah. Uh, and then we won 6 0 against Panama. And then Harry Kane had the most disappointing golden boot World Cup win when it was like three, like three penalties and oh, yeah, yeah. got a hatch against Panama. Um, but it is, you know, looking at the England teams of old, we have like our 2006 team. Uh, someone I read this article, which is like the transfer value of any international team, it's like the third most expensive team ever to go into World Cup was the extraordinary man-for-man team. And it's just, there's something missing when we have just the most extraordinary team. That 2016 was just John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Ashley Cole, Gary Neville, Stephen Gerrard, Frank Lampard, David Beck and Paul Scholes. I don't think he was in 2006, but he was still in and around. Mike Lowe and Wayne Rooney up top. It's just wall-to-wall extraordinary talent. Well, we're about and to create something like that again, albeit we don't have a decent, England don't have a decent keeper, but they do have or that, four yeah. what feel like, you know, approaching world-class talents. Sancho, Sterling, Kane, Sancho, Sterling, maybe Rashford. Hmm. Rashford, Greenwood, we'll just have to see. Foden, Saka, um, Saka, all of those, yeah, all of them, all of them. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Best right back in the world, maybe. Joseph, jo- Joseph Gomez. Um, I mean, it, it, again, it, it, should be, it should be looking to win tournaments, shouldn't it? That. We've got to. Go but there's, there, there's just, the, there's, an, there's something that no managers seem to properly worked out. Um, but anyway, we were meant to be talking about the Premier League. Um, we digressed, though. We did, we did because, digress. Because thus was the... Um, the point. Well, the energy and the uh, lust in the conversation mm. that we got distracted from transfer. For the best transfer of the season. For the best, but anyway, it's Thiago. Uh, what do you think the top six are going to be? And why? The order of it. Yes. Because obviously we know which teams it's going to yeah. be. Well, not obviously. Last, are we, Arsenal came eighth, or do you think it's going to come back to a bit normality this season? Arsenal, last season Arsenal was... are going to improve. United are going to improve. Uh, they're all going to improve. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're all... Jose Mourinho is having his uh, second season uptick yes. that he'll enjoy before he before sets the place season. on fire next season. Yes, yes. Um, Mikel Arteta is in the sweet spot of having good young players and also Aubameyang still alive. Yes. And also he's made them look so much better. It's amazing what a competent manager will do for you. Yes. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Our grandma's billionaire. Um <laughs> He will, they'll improve because they've, I mean, they've just got loads of really brilliant players. And they sort the midfield out with a key signing with Fernandez and Donny van der Beek. Yep. Um, and, uh, and Chelsea have signed everyone, I think. Yeah, Can you Chelsea, have, Chelsea, Chelsea have had the best transfer window. They haven't done the transfer thesis. Well, I don't know if they have. I mean, it, it will all we'll find out. Like, there's every there's every chance that they've spent loads of money a week on Thiago Silva, who it turns out is way too slow for the 
Premier League. Maybe um, not financially, they might not have the best, but I think for reinforcements, I think they've probably done the best. I can't see, um, I can't see Havertz and Werner not doing well. That's what I mean. But I could see Ziek, Thiago Silva, and Ben Chilwell all flopping, underwhelming. Yes, not flopping necessarily, but just not having the best time ever. So, uh, and also, I don't think I don't really rate Frank uh, Frank Lampard as a manager. It's uh, sorry, I don't really rate Frank Lampard as a manager. I don't. You know, in a, in a Premier League setting, he seems uh, too irascible, too easily got at, and tactically a bit naive. But you know, we'll see where he gets to in time. Okay, yeah. People so, prove, prove people wrong, and he's yeah. still young. What do you think of the the, the top six? Oh yeah, then? sorry. Um, I never ever ever say I think it's Liverpool are going to win the league. Just for safety. Um. Well, I feel like if I say it's uh, City will win the league and then Liverpool, then no matter what happens, nobody's going to go, ah. But actually, it doesn't really matter. I, th- I it Also, it just never, ever happens that... <laughs> just I remember during the 2013-14 season, my friend said to me during the title run-in, uh, Liverpool are obviously top at this point. He said, the sad thing is that the universe just doesn't allow things as perfect and beautiful as Liverpool winning the league to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I sort of feel like at a point, United, Chelsea, City, they have to spend enough money. Like, football is too boring for Liverpool to win the league again. I, But then I have this biased mentality that they're this pure entity uh, that have managed to subvert uh, the power of these financially doped behemoths yeah. and Man United who aren't financially doped to yeah, be fair the big underdog the biggest, um, one of the biggest clubs in English football <laughs> yeah yeah but not having spent the same amount yes. as everybody else yeah. to get where they are though you did have a hilarious period of some wild transfers you had like some because you had you did pay a lot of money for some very oh, do you remember the Stuart Downing Andy Carroll mm-hmm. Ricky Lambert mm-hmm. Danny Ings uh, didn't, though he's Danny good. He's a great signing. He's great. He just couldn't get inside yeah. when we. When but you, there's some incredible, like you, like signed, like not necessarily bad, but just like fine. So many fine players, just fine. I remember the very discombobulating feeling as a Liverpool fan to suddenly realise, oh, oh, I want, I want Paul Konchesky to do well now, do I? Yeah. Paul Konchesky plays yeah, for yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Um, I don't have to. Uh, Top six. Uh, I think it'll starting be, from the sixth. Starting from the sixth. Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Chelsea. Okay. Arsenal. Yeah. United. City. Liverpool. I think that's a pretty fair one. I would say my top six is Tottenham, United, Arsenal, Chelsea. Uh, it just it looks like it's going to be Liverpool, but I just don't think it will. Liverpool City, um, because I just it just I don't I as you said I just even from the first two games it looks like Liverpool. Are, I just can't see it happening again. No, neither can I really, but I wanted to yeah. I wanted to back myself. Um and I do think 
it's biased that I'm saying Arsenal fourth. If I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I probably would say fifth. I just figure that I think they look really good, and I I think they'll I think they can squeeze fourth. I do. My 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 prediction will be that I think uh, Liverpool, City, and another team, whoever it is, will all get around eighty five points, hmm. and. And one of them will win the league. Obviously, which would one of them will win the league? But I think there'll be three teams competing in the late 80s. And then, actually, a good question. Who's going to get that um, prized seventh spot? Because that's like a spot in itself, which is like the the glass ceiling of the teams below that wealth bracket. It's Everton, Leicester, or... I think it's Everton. Everton. They do look great. All agreed. Uh, bottom three. Uh... West Brom. Okay, yeah. Uh, who I think are... Um, uh, they look fairly... Like, they're championship quality players and I think Slavin Bilic might be a championship quality manager. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure how... I think the things that he's good at probably work a lot better in the championship than they do in the Premier League. There's things like he's missing. I don't know what... I, I, it's completely unfair, so I'm just guessing. Um, I don't want to pick Fulham because I like Fulham. I like Fulham too. And I, Scott Parker is the the tr- the one reminder of as much trouble as England's had over the last five years. He's the one thing that makes me proud to be English is Scott Parker who embodies everything good about this country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> England truly, for the English. That's he he is truly... The 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 ideal Englishman. <laughs> he's he yeah he he really is an embodiment about every kind of good quality. Everything good that this island quintessentially. Can yeah. Well, London really. London. Well, he's it's because he's 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 sharp. He's got a sharp suit. He looks good, but he has an authenticity, and uh, his he's got that squeaky uh, Cockney voice that's yeah. kind of uh, irrepressibly sexy. In the way that you know. he seems like the sort of person that's kind of recently discovered um, mental health and now can't stop talking about it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the third football club, I'll, um, uh, 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 plump for to go down, despite the fact that they've signed one of my signings of the season, Ollie Watkins, will be Aston Villa because I think they're shit. I, I agree with... I think with, that then yeah. Jack Grealish will go somewhere for about £50 million because I imagine that he hasn't signed that new deal mm. without putting in a relegation release clause. Mm. I agree with West Brom. I think they'll go down. I agree with Fulham. I don't think Aston Villa will go down. I think teams like Aston Villa and West Ham, no matter how bad they are, they, they have... Such, the history means they're much harder to go down. Even mm. when so like West Ham... West, West Ham, Ham go down all the time. <laughs> Not all the time. So, like, they really don't... West Ham and Newcastle are so, always... So, like... so, Newcastle, that's, that there's a real... There's something rotten in the state of Newcastle, you know. Um, West Ham, my dad's a West Ham fan, so, like, the relationships of our families do ride around West Ham doing well. So, it's very clear when they get relegated. Okay. So, I do actually have a lot of... I do remember every time West Ham get relegated. It's not that often, considering how close they often come. Compared yeah. to teams that get, you know relegated they West Ham and Aston Villa you know do uh, you can, they just have that history that means they do stay up for longer than you you remember them getting relegated because it's always a thing when they get relegated but if you forget how many teams constantly get relegated anyway they're mm-hmm. like I used to think about Coventry 
Coventry were just a Premier League mainstay. There was nobody they could ever get. And this is like around the time you were being born, they would have got relegated. And it was a, such a big fuss about it. Funny you say that. Uh, when I was being born, mm. uh, my dad got awfully bored during uh, the pregnancy because it kept going on for so long and was very nervous because West Ham were playing Coventry. Uh, and uh, he remembers that I was born just as John Hartson, who's the one with the dent mm-hmm. in his head, scored a goal uh, that meant they won 2-1. And he always says it was, uh, he always likes to make that little joke that it was the best day of his life. And then, of course, That's pulls very, it back. Very, very, very good. Fun, and you, but you've, you've, very, you've, very droll. You've got your own back now by yeah. betraying him and becoming an Arsenal fan. I didn't choose this for me. Uh, he chose this for me. We were living in Highbury at the time when I was born uh, and we were right by the ground. And as a West Ham fan, he felt so much pain as a West Ham fan. Uh, he ra- said, "It's I think I'm going to raise him as a local Arsenal fan uh, but so he can, this is around the time of the Invincibles, so he can have like a joyful uh, football experience and not go through the stress as I have. Little do you know that I'd argue that there's arguably been more heartache being an Arsenal fan than being a West Ham fan because West Ham, there's a nobility to the failure of West Ham. Mm. If you say I'm a West Ham fan and they've gone down, we all accept their shit and it's like, how authentic of you to be a West Ham fan? Yeah, As an exactly. Arsenal fan, if we don't make top four... There's Arsenal fan TV. It's Arsenal fan TV was just a laughing stock. You know, it's been a lot more painful, I think. You know, seeing Robin van Persie win the league for United, things like that, I just don't think they happen on the same level as a West Ham fan. Uh, so once again, I think that was a poor decision by my father. But uh, I am now tied to them forever and I love them dearly, deep, very, very deeply. Even though I'm not a particularly, I don't look like a classic Arsenal fan, like you're not a classic Liverpool fan, because I'm not Malaysian. Um, so um, Who said that? No, I'm just... What? Is that, I thought that was a thing that somebody said once. No, it's just, it's funny, because Arsenal um, have really... Because we're like, we, we represent, with the Emirates, we sort of represent new London in the sense like full-blown capitalism with like our stadiums like gentrified. Uh, we do more social media than any other club and we've worked very hard on our international presence. So you'll uh, see, okay. if you go to pre-season tours in Malaysia, you'll see... An ex- and a, that's where a, most a, of the Arsenal fans That's probably, are. for like numbers, okay. it'll be... Uh, in Southeast Asia is where you'll find the most Arsenal fans. Um, Very good. Um, so here's a question I want to ask about you as a Liverpool fan. Uh, firstly, a quick one. Um, if you had to lose one player, Mane or Salah, who would it be? Um, I... Um, I, I think... One player's going to go this window. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I don't like. I just don't like it. Um, I think I choose Salah. I think from on a per, from a personal perspective because of what Mane means to me as a human being. Although that's a ridiculous thing to say because Salah just keeps on breaking records, scoring goals, proving people wrong. There's 98 people marking him every single game, and yet still he manages to kind of find space, create goals. But then so does. Oh God! Um, Salah for personal reasons. That you're not going to divulge. <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about it. 
<laughs> That's a great answer to like a football question. Personal reasons For that personal I, don't want, reason. I don't want to discuss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Alfie Brown's going to come do the podcast today. Uh, he says, do not ask him about Mane or Salah. That's the, yeah. that's the one topic. That's And finally, we'll end it with the last question. Will uh, we? Yes. Okay. Um, because it end it with the what? Very, with the with the last question. Okay. Um, what does it feel like embarking on the first season as a champion? Um, do you know the end of the Matrix where uh, I haven't actually seen the Matrix. Funny enough, as but a film I, student, you've I've not studied seen the it though. You've and I know, studied it, and I know more about it than people who have seen it. But right. I haven't actually seen it. Well, you might know the scene that I'm referring to <laughs> when I speak about this. Uh, at the end of the film, uh, Neo is finally uh, quite confident in the idea that he's the one. Okay. And um, and he can see everything in code as yep. green numbers mm -hmm. trickle down, mm -hmm. and, and, that, and therefore he can control the whole world because he can see the code the world is written in. I feel, as a Liverpool fan, like I can finally see the code and I'm. you can't hurt me anymore because no matter what happens now, I've had what I thought would never happen. Uh, so there is a sense of uh, hunger to see this happen again, but also I don't feel like... I feel, I feel like things would have to go absolutely insane for me to become disappointed because I've got... I genuinely thought it would never happen. And I think this is why I either wouldn't make a successful footballer or slash won't be a successful person, is that I'm quite happy now. So, like, oh, great, I'm in the league. Well, that's that. Yeah. That's finished. Whereas if you ask Sadio Mane how he feels about having won the league, he goes, I don't remember winning the league. I have to win another one. It's like you wouldn't be a, a good kind of... Uh, CEO of an uh, Amazon or company because yeah, you, no, if, you're, if, if you're Jeff Bezos yeah. you would be like you'd still be selling books yeah, and yeah. be more than happy right, oh, we've just made a million quid we can take a foot that's off great that's now. lovely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You'd be, if Netflix you'd still be sending out DVDs well I'd still be called Love Film <laughs> still be called Love Film yeah um, and that's why yeah I mean that is fair it does I do feel uh, in general uh, what is lucky about Liverpool you're in quite a unique position now um, is that in the top six the, uh, in the general banter and rivalry there's all, you always have a foot to stand in an argument of like well you're this you're this and that if Chelsea win mm. they either won ugly or won because of evil Russian money mm. easy United you can Fuck United. Everyone fucking hates United. Fuck United. Uh, Arsenal, it writes itself. Tottenham, don't win anything. City, uh, Arab oil money. Um, but Liverpool, the way you won that league and what it meant for that city and um, the history yeah, does mean that you're in a... Before, I would see memes about you constantly making the Europa League and like your shitty signings and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, you really are in a quite unique position where you've not only won the league, but there's not really much for comeback from any other team. You're in that privileged position where it's like you've won it with no asterisks. There's no, you know. Well, apart from the asterisks that everybody tried to put on it because yeah. the fans weren't in. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, I'll be, I, it's, I think it's a really exciting season given what's about to happen because it's just quite unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool feels like such a kind of a feat of will and uh, effort above everything, like, and, and and the crowd and 
26 wins out of 27 after 27 games played last season. It's just it's otherworldly, kind of like bizarre stuff. So how hard is it going to be to replicate that and what did we owe it to? And we'll, we'll soon find out. And have, like, I don't know if you watched Wolves City the other night, but Wolves could have had, you know, so many, there were so many openings for mm. them uh, to capitalise. Uh, so it's not like City have made a big statement in that game, but also it, like, who knows what the fuck goes is going to happen after the first game. Great. How many seasons do you reckon you'd give Arteta of not qualifying for the top four before you started to get all venger out about it? He would. He gets. Uh, he cannot qualify this season. If it happens again. He uh, would have to. He'd have to have success in other means, i.e., winning trophies, and uh, depending on the the manner in which we didn't catch the top four. Because like if we didn't manage to catch the top four, but it's so clear he's building for the future, then keep him. But if it's like sort of Emery where it feels pointless and like we're directionless, then he's got to go out, and you've kind of got to do that. Um, what I've changed, what I think I've realised about football over the last five years is growing up having my first memory of an Arsenal game being when Sol Campbell headed in uh, the first goal in the Champions League final being the zenith of Arsenal Football Club. Uh, arguably one of the, the top points was when it looked like we were going to win the Champions League. That's my first memory. And it has been dramatically downhill from that crystal clear first memory of Sol Cal- Campbell heading in the first goal. Um, it After that trophy drought and trying to kid myself that, well, Arsene Wenger has consistently managed to be in the top four more than any other manager and all of those kind of arguments that Arsenal fans threw about. I do really now believe that football is truly about trophies and that is what it um, is important for a team. And so, you know, winning those FA Cups, with the fact that we won the FA Cup and came eighth meant that we had a better season than Tottenham who finished higher, you know, or better season than in some ways than you know, United. I think just having, after spending so long in the Champions League where we just get knocked out of the round of 16 endlessly. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, but I don't agree that football is, first of all, football isn't just about trophies, it's about it's not. No, it's not just about trophies. I mean, otherwise, what's the point no, no, of no, being no, 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 uh, sorry. late Norman Let, 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 let me um, reconnect. It's not all about trophies. I'm saying for, when you're viewing in the top six, the team's challenging. Yeah. What defines a success not, it's not all about. There's, it's, football's not all about success. What defines success, I think, more than anything, is trophies. Uh, and when you look back, we're not going to look back on Arsenal for our consistent top four in like 50 years. We won't look back on Arsenal consistently qualifying for the Champions League for like 20 years straight. We will look back on those four FA Cups uh, as something of value. So I do think, uh, you know, my perfect season would be uh, finishing fourth winning the le- league or FA Cup and the Europa League that would just be an absolute dream it's funny and that, that is really that Chelsea is, uh, fans don't really put too much weight or kind of remember too fondly their Europa League successes because they were both won by managers they hated yeah so they sort of had the fun of those moments taken away from them by one of them being Benitez and the other being Sarri but um, I, I I think most of what will and this is what I you know a lot of people said when Wenger was still in charge that like it's not if you 
Arsenal fans would prefer to uh, for to to sack Wenger instead of coming fourth every year, sack Wenger, then spend a couple of years coming eighth and then get fourth again. But when you got fourth again, it would feel like something different instead of just... Because you, football's about yeah. momentum. And yeah, growth. yeah, yeah. And they just, it felt like after a time of that long with Wenger, it didn't feel like there was any momentum or growth. It felt like you were watching the dying embers of a man's career, which, was, which is fair, but also... That's partly true, but I, I do think... Um, yeah, I just, I just, I think we should, we just got to be focusing on trophies, um, and just w- getting in the Champions League and getting knocked out super early and not contending. It just, it's, I've done that enough. I, we, there needs to be that dream for actually challenging for things uh, and start to the FA Cups and the League Cups and Europa Leagues, and then you move up. Um, what I can't stand Chelsea in many ways. Uh, they're obviously a rival, and obviously the, the fact that been bought by Russian oil but the one thing I respect about them the one thing I really have always respect about Chelsea is that no matter how cunty their players are no matter how valueless often their club can be no matter how their fans are often either fake or authentic and racist that seems to be that often the two camps they're either they either leave in Surrey and have never been to Chelsea and are there and nice normal people or they're authentic true Chelsea fans and they throw bananas on the pitch. It's like, you know. There's no happy media. <laughs> there's no happy media. People found out that like, oh, Chelsea are quite good and we're sort of near the training yeah. ground yeah, 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 in yeah. 2005. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And then the people who are like the good fans are bad people. <laughs> <laughs> um, having said that, I've always respected their focus on trophies and even through tumultuous times or doing badly they've always managed to win stuff yes. and that's what I'm starting to realise I love Wenger I love the style of play and some of the goals that were created through his style were incredible and amazing to watch and so exciting but it, it trophies for a top six team is what should be aimed at and looking at Tottenham fans seeing some like Tottenham fan TV after Arsenal won the FA Cup they were literally like saying, which I think is right, that they would probably rather win that League Cup than qualify for the Champions League, which as a Tottenham fan, I would as well. Just have one trophy of this period. If they finish this period with no nothing to show for it, it will evaporate in 50 years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They ne- you need markers of, you need to be able to put up around your ground 2016 we won this. They've had incredible teams, much better than Arsenal for the last five years. But... But because they're choking, they got to the Champions League final and they've had some incredible players. But it's long, if they need, even a League Cup would be more important for Tottenham historically than if they finished really low in the league and didn't do well anywhere. If they just have something to show for it, I think. Yeah, I kind of agree. And, but also think like the, 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 semi-fi, the semi-final victory over Ajax is worth more than a League Cup. Because the people will remember that that will live longer yeah. in the memory. That will, as a moment that people look back on and just felt utter bliss and joy and um, that is a good point as well. Frenzied, fan- like one of my favourite moments as a Liverpool fan ever was in the Europa League quarter final. I think the Bristol Dortmund game. Bristol Dortmund game when Dejan Lovren smashed it in with his head, uh, and I mean it. it I, there was beer on the ceiling. Me and my brother took our tops off and rubbed chests together. Just crazed madness everywhere. And I would rather 
uh, us have won that game like that and me had that moment and not won the Europa League than us having like dragged through boring one nils yeah and won the whole thing I think it's a balanced thing I I'm think maybe, sure there's a balanced may, thing. maybe the tro- saying it f- fully but it's certainly something I've realised uh, that needs to that is a more of a focus for me as a fan now uh, but as you say one of my g- best memories of a, as an Arsenal fan was when we beat Reading 7-5 in one of the most extraordinary games of football in the League yeah. Cup it was League Cup round of 32 we got knocked out in the next round but we were 4-0 down at half time and uh 4-0 down yeah. and it was during one of the many dark dark patches of Wenger where it was just the feeling was so yeah, such a smog 4-0 down at half time just the bleakness uh and then just for half time Walcott scored a goal 4-1 and then we managed to claw it back to 4-all pushing it to extra time and then we scored the fifth and then they scored a fifth and it was five all. And then in the last five minutes of extra time, Shamak got two goals. Shamak. Mr. Loverman. Exactly. With extraordinary hair where it looks like someone like someone had pulled a gazebo. You know when a big chunk of water falls on you at once. You know when you like it's been wet and you pull it down and like it's not rain, it's like a whole thick chunk of water and that's just landed on his head and he's like <laughs> I'm ready to start the day <laughs> um, wow wow yeah what imagination uh, we could talk about football for literally hours with ease one of the great joys about uh, discussion or football content and stuff is that it is endless because mm. there's endless things the to football talk about. is going on forever it's just forever there's it's never there's never not things to talk about we i've decided to lean forward so i look bigger in the yeah. shot <laughs> have you just decided now or has that been for the whole podcast? i've i was i'm for the last five minutes you i just wasn't really listening yeah. until you said that's why i laughed so hard at the word gazebo because <laughs> i didn't hear anything that preceded it so i was just loving it. i wonder what he's talking about <laughs> gazebo no i heard exactly what he was talking about it was very good funny stuff that is the end of the first football show Football Gone Wild. Football Gone Wild uh, with Horatio Gould and very special guest Alfie Brown. Thank you for coming. Uh, I don't know when I'll do this again, but uh, like and subscribe and check out Alfie's Twitch. And other stuff. And other stuff. Check anything out. And watch this space. Thank you. See you sometime. (laughs) 